You know, let me just start. Before we, many of you have seen the title of the message tonight, Defining Sacred Music. Um, and we'll get to that. But I, I just feel, I felt like I needed to give a little introduction, okay? So I, I think as many of you, I, I have given my life to God, okay? Um, I have told the Lord many times that I would do whatever he wanted me to do. I would go wherever he wanted me to go. I would suffer what he would have for me. And I would trust him in times of plenty. And I'm sure many of you have done the same. But I say all that say, have you ever been convinced? Yes, maybe you've done all of that. But have you been convinced of what God wants you to do with your time here on earth? Do you know? I mean, yes, we know that our purpose is, our chief purpose of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, right? Amen. But how will you do that? How does he want you specifically, how does he want me specifically to flesh that out every day of your life? And I, you know, whether, whether you're young or old, wherever you are in that spectrum of life, it's not too late to find that out. And sometimes that takes a little bit of doing, right? The Lord to convince you to be in his word, seek counsel, etc. Okay, why do I say all of that? Because what does that have to do with music? Well, for me, it has a great deal to do. Um, for me, one of those things, it's not the only thing, but I believe one of the things that God has for me to do is through music. I, I have a burden for God-honoring sacred music. Um, I open the message this way today because I feel, because I want you to know that music is important to me. This isn't just my job, okay? Um, this is a passion, a God, I believe a God-given passion in my life. Um, as you know, little side advertisement, I suppose. So as you know, my family has produced a couple of music CDs, uh, our oldest six children. Um, you know, for some folks, that might be a money-making adventure. It has not been for us. <laughs> Nor do we intend it to be. We didn't start producing CDs in order to make money. <laughs> we knew that that just was not going to happen. But why do we do that then? Because we have a burden to that, you know, you can have good God-honoring Christian music that's exciting and moving without all of the stuff that the world does. You know, music, I've said, is important to me. But music's important to a lot of people. Have you ever talked to somebody 
they, they might say, oh, this is my music, or I'm going to play my music. It's personal, the type of music that they listen to. It's, it's personal. They mean the music that they really like. It's really personal to them. So when we speak of sacred or, or Christian music, uh, that music which we use to worship our Lord, I think we need to remember that we are talking about music that's pleasing to God, whether we like it or not. I have used the example, and I, I know there's people in the auditorium here tonight that have uh, lived this through, okay? You know that our tastes can change, right? Right? Uh, years ago, I diagnosed with, it's coming up on 20 years, actually. Uh, diagnosed with cancer. And we decided that at that point that God wanted us to go more of a natural route. And we did that for about 13 months. But during that time, uh, we decided we were going to, I had a diet of uh, 85, 95% all raw fruits and vegetables. Okay. I did not like that. <laughs> I drank a lot of carrot juice. <laughs> Palms of my hands turned orange, right? If any of you have done that, you know exactly what I mean. So when I started, I was, you know, <laughs> down the hatch it goes. But after a while, funny enough, I began to crave it. Some of you are laughing. There's, there's no way. I would never get there, brother. You probably would. Why? Because you eliminate certain things that you like, but you never taste them anymore. And then you take other things, which you deem as, I, I deemed those as life, okay? And so that's what I would eat or drink. And so that's pretty much the only thing I had. And my body began like, wow, I love this. I can't, etc. Okay? Our tastes can change. So as we approach the subject of Christian music, or music in general, I think we need to, at the outset, try to look objectively at some, some guidelines, maybe, some, 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 an outline that, that will will give and help, and try to look at it objectively. And Well, I don't like that. It's not the issue, if I may say kindly. But what does, what does God like? If we're offering things to God, we want to offer things that he likes. So today, as we look around, um, we realize that there's a battle going on about Christian music. Uh, some conservative Christians would say that we have lost this battle. And there would be a substantial proof if you count up numbers of churches on one side and numbers of churches on the other side of what's left, you, they, they might have a good uh, thing. But, but the battle is not over. And the battle is still being fought by many churches like ours. You don't see a trap set up here. You see a piano and an organ. We're traditional. We're conservative. Um, 
So I think it's important as well, not only as a church, but as individuals, that we formulate this idea of what is good, God-honoring Christian music. So in order to do that, I think we're, we need to define it. Hence the title, Defining Christian Music or Sacred Music. There's no way in the few minutes that I'm going to take that this is exhaustive, okay? This is really meant to just throw out, frankly, someone else's definition, break it down, and give you something to think about, all right? So if we defined our terms biblically, we're taking really a large step of understanding and developing a personal definition of what would be Bible-based, God-honoring philosophy of, of music. Okay, let me just start um, by reading, actually, a portion of our scripture reading from this morning, rereading it. So I'm going to just start and just touch on Ephesians 5, verses uh, 18 through 21. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father and in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and submitting ourselves one to another in the fear of God. So we start out in verse 18 being exhorted, be filled with the Spirit. And then the next three verses kind of tells us a little bit about what's included in that singing, speaking to yourselves, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody. Verse 20, giving thanks always, being grateful. And verse 21, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So I'm just going to touch, you know, later... Uh, in this month coming of November, we'll probably touch a lot more in verse 20, right? Giving thanks as we approach our Thanksgiving, a beautiful time of year that the world likes to just skip over. Um, but as Christians, we should not by any means. So number one, let's just start with, if I may, a definition that the contemporary Christian movement uses or has used. Of what is Christian music, what is Christian music, they would say, or have said and written in their own publications, they've said the Christian music is Christians involved in music. It's a pretty broad definition of what Christian music would be. Think how all-encompassing this is, any Christians involved in any kind of music. The, the CCM crowd, the contemporary Christian music crowd would believe that music is amoral. Music doesn't have a right or wrong sound to it. It doesn't influence you to do right or influence you to do wrong. It is amoral. That's not what we believe here. It's not what I believe personally. So number two, so that's kind of what the other side of the spectrum, if we're talking about Christian music, 
let's so let's talk a little bit about the morality of music. You say, okay, what in the world are we talking about? Music is moral. Okay, it does have a right or a wrong quality, just like art does, just like language does. They all have qualities of right or wrong, though these individual pieces, the individual pieces of music or art or language may not, may, may truly be amoral with, without influence of right or wrong, but when you put things together and create a piece of art or create language or music, then yes, it does. we have to agree that music is moral. Let me illustrate. So in language, if we have a particular letter A, okay, is, is the letter A right or wrong? It, it's, it's, it's not, right? But it's when, we, it's when we combine it with other letters and then combine those letters with words and combine those words with other words that we realize that, yes, absolutely, letters together... And they form either truth or they can form wickedness. We understand that. We understand that they can be spiritual truth or they can be profanity. Absolutely. So language is moral. Art. Essentially, as its basic base form, art is lines and curves. Okay? Okay. We add in colors and all of that thing. So if I draw a straight line or if I draw a circle over here and I say, is that right or wrong? Neither. Again, these are just elements. The elements are moral. But depending on how these lines and curves are combined can result in a beautiful landscape or, quite frankly, ungodly pornography. Art can be moral, it can be right, or it can be wrong. It is moral. Music. Okay, Gary, play a middle C for us. Brace yourselves. You actually play two middle Cs. All right, so the question comes, is that moral, is it right, or is it wrong? It's neither. It's the same thing as a letter A or as a straight line. It's an element of the music. But if we put those, the, the elements of music and we put them all together, we make chords, we make harmonies, we make rhythms. And yes, that does create an influence on us of either right or wrong. We have to come to that conclusion that these elements are, are combined to create music and that music does have a sense of right or wrong. It does have a sense for good or evil. It does influence us. Now, this was never debated until modern day. It, it just, until, frankly, Christians wanted to to say, I can use whatever kind of music I want as long as I have a sacred text. So then they would produce and created this whole idea. The world knows that music has an influence on us. 
Why is it that every commercial you hear has music with it? Because it has an influence on you. That's why. When you hear marching band go down the street, it has an influence on you. You want to tap your foot. The movie industry. Do you think they would spend the millions of dollars that they spend to add music into their films if it did not have an impact? I remember in junior high, uh, we, I was in a Christian school, and they gave, they gave us a, a film trying to um, explain this fact that music is moral, and it has an impact influence on you. The different music makes you think and feel different ways, okay? So uh, the, the scene was at twilight, barely being able to make it out. You're in a, you're in a, a wooded uh, graveyard, and there's a dark-clad man kind of sneaking between the trees, right? That was the scene. They played the scene for you without any music, then they played again with music that, that was like, and this guy's tripping, you know, he's twinkling between the, and we all did what you just did. We all laughed. But then they played it again with the spooky music, right? A different kind of music that made us feel a different way. It had an influence on us, okay? Uh, one evangelist uh, told of he received a, a, I'm dating myself, a record. I'll explain to you, John, what that is when I get home. Okay. <laughs> and he received, he was a preacher, and he received it, and one of the, it was for his children. So he goes home, he puts it on. He had three boys that are just sitting on the couch looking at books very calmly, right? And it, it, the first song that came on was This Little Light of Mine. And he just started, This Little Light of Mine. Just very simple child song. They sat there and they continued. This is unprompted, okay? They're just looking through their books. The next one had a little bit more of a swing to it, okay? And so all of a sudden they just started just going with, with the music, pretty harmless. And by the last one, it was a full out rock concert. You know, this little light of mine. And the boys are up. They're just completely raucous, right? Music has an influence on us, if we're honest. Okay. So let's get to the definition, all right? I'll probably repeat this several times. So if you'd like to write it down, you'll have plenty of opportunity, I think. This definition is probably is from uh, Tim Fisher and from his book entitled The Battle for Christian Music published by Sacred Music Services um, about 20 years ago. In the battle for Christian music, Tim Fisher, he says this. He says, Christian music is that music which the text, the music, the performers, and the performance practices are all conforming to the image of Christ. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be more in conformance to the image of Christ. So why should not our music be the same? With the text, the music, 
the performers and the performance practices. So um, first of those four, okay, the text. I think we would all agree that Christian music must have a Christian text. Now, I am not saying that Christian music is the only music you should listen to, but this is what I'm defining for you tonight, okay? The text. Christian music should have a Christian text. It should be doctrinally correct, without error, not overly repetitive, and filled with truth. I think the scripture is clear. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Filled with truth. Now, obviously, a child's song is meant for a child. And as we get older, we should go beyond the milk and enter into the meat of Hark the Herald Angels Sing, or you know, a doctrine-filled Christmas carol, which I'm looking forward to singing again in a few days. Okay, uh, acceptable to God, our text should be acceptable to God. Psalm 19:14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So the text. I don't think we would have an argument there at all. Our text must be biblical, doctrinally correct, filled with truth. Text of a Christian music. Secondly is our music. Okay? The music. Now, we could spend all week you know, three, four, two-hour-long sessions each day and not cover this completely. I understand that. So let me just go super, super basic, all right? There are components of music. There are basically three as we start out with, and you know them as melody, harmony, and rhythm, okay? Um, and I say them in a specific order on purpose, Melody, you know the melody as the series of tones by which a song is remembered, okay? I said, hark the herald, hark the herald angels. You know the melody, you could sing it. That's the tune of, of the song. The melody is the essential element, and it is the most important of all three. We could sing... Again, hark the herald angels sing, just a melody, and it would be completely recognizable. We'd have the text, we have the melody. We don't need anything else, rhythm granted, but we'll get to that, to be able to communicate that. We have the melody and we have the text. This is um, several different men. We, we make choral, spiritual correlations with our music. Um, and melody, the spiritual correlation with melody is with our spirit. All right? Our spirit. Second, we have harmony. Right? Harmony is that study of structure, progression of chords and how they relate to each other. You look in your hymn book, you see the top line of notes, the little black dots with the sticks on them. They, they show you the very top line, show you that melody line. The other notes underneath them, those are what make up the chords or the harmony. That's what gives you the beautiful sounds, the, the rich structure uh, of it, the choral 
uh, chordal passages and characteristics uh, and how they relate to, to each other. It can be very simple or it could be very, very complex. It could be lush, it could be sensual. Um, the spiritual correlation with harmony is to our mind. Right? It makes us think. It grabs us with complex harmonies. makes us think. And then thirdly, so we have melody, harmony, and rhythm. Um, so the rhythm is that pattern of musical development through time. So without rhythm, mu music would not move. It would not go forward. Right? We must have rhythm in order to have life and, and progression uh, of that. So performed by a series of notes of different durations and stresses. Some of them feel a little bit, I'm getting a little complicated, but that's okay. So we have a little, some notes are longer, we hold them longer, and some of them, da, 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 da. Some of them we move faster, right? Um, and we know that, that our correlation with rhythm is with our body, because again, we hear the marching band go by, and we want to have that that physical, that's not wrong. I'm just saying that's the thing. But there are, there, again, there could be these combinations of rhythms, a combination of harmonies, all put together. That could be wrong. Our text, our music, and our text coming together. This is another one that's really important. Music and text. Dr. Frank Garlock, who's with the Lord now, he used to say that music is a direct hit. The message of the music, it just bypasses and just goes right in. So that when, if, if we, if you agree with me, that the, the text can have a message, right? It better have a message. The words, they say something. And then the music, being moral, it has a message. If the text is saying one thing and the music is saying another thing, the argument and the studies have gone through to say that is the message of the music that is, is, will take prominence over the message of the text. And so therefore, that is why music is such a powerful tool, because when the message of the text and the message of the music go hand in hand, it's a powerful message. Because it's coming at you two, on two platforms, on two levels. So really important that the message of the music and the message of the text are together are saying the same thing. It's the strength of the communication. I think of hymns like, like, I am resolved. I am resolved no longer to live. You know, that's producing one message in the text, one message in the music that says the same thing. I'm, I'm resolved. I'm moving forward for God. Uh, a, a mighty fortress is our God. What about, my Jesus, I love thee, tender from the heart? All right, so, so far we have said uh, in our definition, uh, we have said that the Christian music is that music in which the text, the music, the performers and the performance practices are all conformed into the image of Christ. So we've gone through text 
and we've talked a little bit about the music. Uh, performers and performance practices. What are we talking about here? Okay, so let's, I'm going to use the word performers. In church, we don't consider ourselves performers. We consider ourselves ministers. We're, we're sharing with you, okay? But if you go to a concert, there's a performer on stage. There's someone who's delivering this music and this text to you. It refers to the persons performing the music and how it's executed, performance practices. How are they doing this? In what manner are they delivering this to you? We could consider things like the dress of the performers. Is that conforming into the image of Christ? Is it appropriate? Is it inappropriate? What about the singing technique? Do they hit pitches right on exactly without sliding or scooping around, making the pitch relative when the pitch is absolute? Is there a natural or a delayed vibrato? This is what is used a lot in pop music, right? Um, where they will, uh, let me see, I'll just, I uh, can't think of a word or a note right now. <laughs> Let's just sing. Song. It's a direct, it just, it tends to be a little sensual in the sound. Is it, how is the vibrato? Is it natural? A full tone or a breathy tone? Do they sing right up into the mic? And get lots of, where you get that feeling where it's, you're, you know, we talk about person, right? Lots of studies done this. You feel like, you know, okay, you're in my, what, personal space, right? You're a little too close for comfort. Is that conforming into the image of Christ? Stage actions. I won't get graphic here at all. Stage actions, are they appropriate or inappropriate? And we're, we've not even touched on, as singers, as instrumentalists, ministering in music in a church service, we're not supposed to be drawing any attention to ourselves at all. Obviously, we're here and people see us, but we need to be deflecting all glory to God as we sing. Lastly, conformed into the image of Christ. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So if I'm, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless, here I am. I live, but yet it's not me, it's Christ. So I should be doing all things, again, conformed into his image that he wants me to do. Being sensitive. Could I say, 
if it's not me, it's Christ, then would Jesus sing that song? Would Jesus sing that song that way? Would Jesus, you could fill in the blanks. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would work in each of our hearts, that in this, whether it be music or any other area of life, Lord, that we would desire to be in total conformity to the image of Christ. We live in a world and in a society and in a culture that just makes it hard to understand sometimes exactly what you want us to do. Help us to be completely open to what the truth of your word is. Lord, we love you. Praise we enter into our uh, inspiration time now. Lord, would you encourage hearts? Would you give comfort? Would you give peace? And Lord, if we need conviction, would you bring that as well? In Jesus' name, amen.